This podcast is brought to you by Built to Coach. The most important investment a coach can make to de-risk their fitness business is simply being undeniable in their field. Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Again, we are uh, we're here with Mr. Rudy McCall and Jen. Hi. Hey, team. There we go. Nice hellos from everyone. Um, we thought we would actually do an episode today on our biggest challenges this year and the fear that we faced and the fear that we've had to overcome on our own journeys. I think a lot of the time, like, I don't think we disconnect ourselves from from what we've been through and where we are and how we've struggled to get to, to the point where we are in our lives. But I think a lot of the time when people are still deep in their own struggles and maybe haven't mastered the skill of overcoming fear, they look at people like ourselves and think we've just got our shit together. Like we can still do it all. We can still show up and perform. Like how are they, they able to do that? How are they able to juggle so much and, and that sort of shit? So I thought we could discuss this a lovely topic. We bit of vulnerability. We bit of vulnerability, oh, which is courage in itself. <laughs> Who's gone first? Rue. <laughs> me, because that's Thank a you. This is, this is him overcoming his fear. This is him overcoming his fear. This is a live action fear <laughs> overcoming. This is like um, this is like exposure therapy. Yeah. <laughs> this is me very vulnerable. I freak the fuck out before a podcast. And <laughs> during a podcast and at the end of a but podcast. You do so well. <laughs> I know. I, I, I know I I'm comfortable talking around everything we talk about and I know it's it's kind of our area um I think it's I can't pinpoint what it is I think it's whenever there's eyes on me mm. that's when I struggle and it might be an ADHD thing but I don't want to attach it to ADHD because it could also just be my personality and, and, and overthinking um but usually if I'm just talking to Mark and Jen one-to-one I feel like I'm quite good at conversing and putting things across. However, if you go and listen to the C Word podcast and you listen to the end of the C Word podcast, you can see Jen saving me when I'm somewhat struggling to find my words at the end of that. So I don't even notice. Did you know? Uh, it's um, it's ba- it's brain coaching. I'm hyper tuned. I, I could hear your neurotransmitters I was screaming so for help. Thankful. I was so thankful. I was breaking down. I can oh, see God. the neurons uh, flashing yeah. in your mind. And just to give concept, we uh, context to that. Sorry, we actually did wrap up the episode and Rose straight away. He's like, "I need fresh air." <laughs> straight outside, fresh air, run around the block. Uh, but I, he came back panting, which makes me think he was going to have a heart attack. And then he's like, "No, just run around the block." And I'm like, "That's probably not the best thing for the anxiety and the, the high blood pressure." Oh, <sighs> Um, so yeah, and obviously it's, you've got to lean into anxiety and each podcast I have done, I've became more and more and more comfortable. And I know that it's only going to get more and more and more comfortable. Like I know Mark's and Jen are some kind of, well, Mark's a hard fucking cunt, Jen's a tough, <laughs> Jen's a tough fucking cookie. I bet they were fucking storming their first podcast. Like what was your first podcast? Oh, like? shit myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, I brought I my him. laptop with notes and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I've brought notes so I don't forget what he's saying. He was like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Well, obviously like, I'd done podcasts myself before I'd done this podcast with Jen. And by the way, just in case you're wondering about the podcast that Rue is referring to, this is probably, that one's going to probably come out after this one. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. you're going, I've missed a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually probably going to be in your future, but it's in our past. <laughs> also, I've kind of confused everybody. I feel now. like I've just been into the multiverse there trying to explain when these podcasts are going to, are going to arrive. But um, yeah, I used to do podcasts myself, and I was, I was shit myself doing podcasts myself. But I knew that it was a fear that I had to overcome if yeah. I wanted to be able to get better at speaking, because I, I know that communication, especially in this job and this role, yep. is such a key factor. That's exactly it. When I'm one on one with someone and in like a coaching process, 
absolutely fine. Yeah. It's absolutely fine. It's the experience though. But yeah. it's when I know that there's going to be multiple people listening, almost like public speaking, but weirdly more comfortable public speaking, yeah. more comfortable in front of a group of people public speaking. And it's possibly because that's pre-planned. And I know that my brain will go on multiple different tangents. I will have a thought and I'll attach onto that thought, then I'll have another thought and then I'll forget about the previous thought and then I'll just be lost. Like yeah. when I was on the phone to you, um, the call last call, week, last, last week, week, how last many week, times yeah. did I have to go, what the fuck was I talking about? I know, I know. You're, <laughs> lucky, I? you're lucky I'm a good fucking listener. I know. And I, 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 just, I, I sometimes just so, like dissociate from what I'm saying um, from overthinking about loads of other things. But it's a skill I want to develop. It's something that I want to push with myself. So it's very important for me to lean into the anxiety of continuing to do these podcasts yeah. and actually something I'm going to try to pick up myself and practice myself even more because I know that it's going to be an important skill. It's going to keep developing me as a person. Um, and to keep us moving forwards. Yeah, but, but I, th I think you dis you um, don't give yourself enough credit for how well you come across though. Yeah, like your first podcast, we flung you in at the deep end, and you did and like as it, it rolled off the tongue as if you've been doing this years, and your socials as well, like. I fucking love it. Like, see the things, like, see the one where you're sitting eating on the beach and selfie. Uh, and and <laughs> you would think you set that up. Like, it's fucking yeah, so not funny. Not to mention the fucking stuff chat, so we'll not talk about those. Yeah. But, like, even just it's your... It's Coach Rue underscore, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but even just your general presence, even though you feel a certain way, and maybe, that, maybe that's not a good thing, she'll probably masking. But, like, mm -hmm. even though you feel that way on the inside, you come across... Like totally differently. I've just been raw dog in ADHD for twenty five years, <laughs> so like I'm used to I'm used to masking. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I understand that I do have just kind of quite high levels of general anxiety, and they it, that's something I'm going to have to live with. And it's just again developing the mental toolkit to to handle that yeah. and understanding that that's part of me. I don't have to hate that part of me at all. Like it's part of me. I'm going to live with it and deal with it and. Yeah, lean into it as I just said and I, I've always always leaned into my anxieties yeah. always and it's just been something I've naturally done I've never been told to and I think that's because my mum and dad have always just pushed us into doing things so yeah. whenever I went to rugby trials I was never worried about my rugby ability right not to sound cocky always knew I was going to get in right never worried me in the slightest only thing I was worried about was conversing with the boys. That was it. I was yeah. always worried, are the boys going to like me? Yeah. That was my so strange. Anxiety. I was the same at football. I was the same at football. Like, mm -hmm. really weird. And the thing is, like, I still, I still get nerves around speaking because I was I was never a great communicator. And there's even now sometimes where I'll have a video that I've recorded and I'll watch it back and I'll be like, I thought I sounded so much better than that. That's fucking horseshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But <laughs> actually, actually it's, it's not bad at all. Yeah. It's not horseshit at all. Yeah. It's just that I have an even greater expectation of what I think it should be. Yeah. Because I look up to great communicators because I really I really see the the value in being able to communicate effectively and very authoritatively and with a lot of conviction and confidence and kind of competency with the words that you you put together and the tone that you bring to the the things that you say. So I'll always look at what I do and do that whole comparison thing of looking at someone else. But then I always ask myself, like if I had to hold myself back from posting this thing or saying this thing, would a particular type of message not get across? Because yeah. even when I was in this week delivering to the, the kids at Uddingston Grammar, if you had to ask me how I thought it went, I actually thought 
my delivery was pretty shite, mm -hmm. but all the teachers said it was incredible. Mm -hmm. All the teachers said that class is usually fucking mental, and I tamed them probably because I put a wee guy in his place within the first ten minutes. Probably <laughs> <laughs> called him a little cunt. Uh, <laughs> something, <laughs> something along those lines. Um, but basically, like um, they, they they were like, "That's incredible." Took so much from. I get so many messages from the kids after because at first, like you, like you, I, I find, and so does Jen. Like we go off in tangents. We yeah. do end up digressing, going off in tangents, and mm -hmm. it was then getting to a place where I was going off in so many tangents because I had an idea or I said something I was like this will be valuable to add to this mm -hmm. and then I got so far away from what I was actually saying that I was like was I even making any sense yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I think sometimes if you're in that flow and you're on a roll and it's making you feel passionately about what you're speaking about you can only be coming across in a, in a really good way yeah. mm -hmm. that's the way that 100%. I've tried to zoom out and, and think about it and when I find myself um, like something I've just <laughs> worked into more recently like, like voice notes yep. I, I used to get anxious about voice notes but now sending now, fucking 10 minutes <laughs> within, within three stop. days I'm dead comfortable with them and I've just found that I, if I zone out from what I'm saying and don't hyperfixate on my thoughts then that is when I perform the best and I think yeah. too much attention it puts a block in place if you've got and that's what anxiety kind of is if you've, if you've got too much attention on what you're saying and your words then you're going to have that mental block yeah. and you're not going to be able to think forwards. You're thinking about the present and your words in the present as opposed to what you're saying in the future, which I've started doing right now. <laughs> um, so Mark. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you a question if that's all right. Not I go for it. But like, I think when you think about this year, like obviously you've had an incredible level of growth this year, mm -hmm. but you've also been grieving for your dad and... I obviously don't talk about it too much because I don't want to upset you, but mm -hmm. what what have you had to overcome this year in terms of navigating that, but also like growing so much in like your career and making it a success? Great fucking question. I'm actually dead comfortable talking about my dad. Um, that's something that I'm more than happy to talk about because I know that a lot of people struggle with grief and it's not really something that's really openly talked about that much by yeah. people who have been through it because it is such a hard conversation, but... I'd much rather have those conversations. Um, what I've been through, obviously the mental health aspect of it, um, past, just past past three weeks, mm. I've not really been mentally the best. Um, about three hours max sleep a night and I've lost seven kg over the past three weeks and I've been trying to gain. Skinny boy. Uh, skinny boy. <laughs> I'm not, don't complain. I'm not, I'm not filling t-shirts anymore, which is a bit gutted. Let's swap. Um, so... Uh, yeah, obviously got to contend with the, the mental health side of things, which again, I know I've been through tougher when he was good, like dying. So I kind of dealt with that all by myself and I, I, I kind of haven't ever had support or help from it. So for context, I was the only kid. I've got two little sisters. I was the only child that knew about my dad's cancer, mm -hmm. um, for about a year. Knew that it was terminal. They knew he had cancer. I was the only one that knew it was terminal. Um, couldn't go to my mum about it because my mum was obviously stressed out. Couldn't go to my dad about it because my dad had fucking cancer. Um, so I just dealt with that all by myself quite badly. Um, ended up with some quite dysfunctional behaviours. Um, now, when I was feeling a very similar way the past few weeks um, as I have before, I've just grown through and had I've, I've got the toolbox to like get through it. So previously when I would have maybe hit a wall or I don't know, snapped, I've just kind of take myself to the sea and done cold water. And I've got, got my coping mechanisms that I know help me. 
obviously with that through coaching people and, and starting with you guys as well, I've got kind of the daunt, I had the daunting thing of starting with two very fucking good coaches who I look up to and there's a certain pressure there as well as kind of coming in as a younger coach um, wanting to <sighs> impress well yeah wanting to impress also wanting to develop um wanting to be the best that i can be and it's not that there's been pressure put on me it's a pressure that i put on myself to perform because i do hold myself to high standards and if i don't hit those standards then i will be pissed off yeah and like i'll i've well mark will say on the call like i'm always asking it's like is there any way i can keep involving myself more is there, is there a way that i can improve this um so what was the question trials <laughs> i was asking you how you've navigated like such a huge year of growth for you mm -hmm. professionally while you've been navigating grief personally adhd folks yeah. <laughs> but i think you've, you've it's hard that really because well. you're making me think about it and i've not really thought about that before i think it's what kind of what you said like with the coping mechanisms yeah you know i know, I mean? I know what i have and genuinely exercising cold water that's that's plus that's you've, you've stopped drinking it's a lot. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, you've stopped drinking a lot. Fuck, I Thank forgot God about we that. Remember oh, all the great things that you've done. <laughs> we listen to you. Yeah. you know what I, mean? I used to be on the piss every weekend. Yeah. yeah. And now, what yeah. were you saying to us before? Like, even before we recorded the podcast Don't about fucking drinking like it. weekend? Yeah. Don't fucking like it. Also, like, just to mention that you run the Built for Coach Athlete program. Like, uh, Built for Life hybrid, hybrid Athlete. Get it right. You can what keep this coming if you want. You can keep this athlete. coming. I'm pretty sure you said build to coach. I probably did. I, 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 I was like, what did you just say? Built for life, hybrid athlete. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is chaos. Fucking hell. There's too many businesses. Yeah. So yeah, drink. Yeah, stopped. That was a conscious decision for me because I have used alcohol as a coping mechanism, definitely. And... It, at the start when I stopped drinking it was tough and there was the times where I'd go to the pub try not to drink and then end up slipping up feel self-loathing the next day because it's like oh why the fuck can't I just not drink but then I just started drawing my attention I say it's simple as just started I think I naturally started drawing my attention towards the delayed gratification waking up in the morning not hungover because of the, the effects it had on my mental health and now I get so much gratification and do some somewhat sit on a high horse um which i'm allowing myself to when all my pals go out on the piss even when they every single fucking one of them is like alcohol doesn't serve me i don't want yeah. to drink yeah. my friend texted me this um the other week he's like i've been depressed and this called him straight away had a chit chat like right mate let's have a chat he's like right okay i've got a job interview on monday brilliant we're progressing he's like oh like i've been really good this week i've been up at 9 a.m every week Brilliant, man. <laughs> um, I've, I've done my training sessions. He's like, I'm allowing myself a drink this weekend. Um, I was like, right, so you've got a very important job interview on Monday. Do you think it's going to be wise to drink this weekend? He's like, yeah, but I don't have a choice. It's June's birthday. See that? <laughs> no, no. Oh, see, oh, see that? I don't have a choice. See that, Pish? Like, actually, uh, I was spoken about this from Instagram stories today. Sorry to interrupt, Rude, just to Is cover right? this very, very quickly. I had a call with a guy that joined the program, and he said he the biggest thing that's hurt him so much from not reaching out sooner and with the current circumstances in is that he no longer has his power of choice mm. his mate had invited him to go on holiday with him in april and said listen mate you'll, you'll be in far better shape by then he's got to lose like 50 kilos by the way like a lot of weight to lose and um the guy was like aye that's all well and good mate but see if i wanted to go on holiday tomorrow i would say no because i, I wouldn't be comfortable on the beach wouldn't be take my top off don't want to be around crowds of people if I, 
if I walk outside on a summer's day and I'm going to my work, I'm putting a hoodie on. Mm. Don't care if it's 35, 40 degrees. I'm, I don't have a choice but to put a hoodie on with how uncomfortable I feel. If I want to go to the gym, if I want to go out a, a run, all I'm thinking about is who's going to be looking at me and who's going to be like talking about me. And he, he used to be a championship boxer and he's always wanted to open a boxing gym. And he's like, but I can't make that choice right now because who the fuck is going to come and listen to me? Mm. Like he feels as if his choice has been taken away from him, mm -hmm. but that's making him want to change, yeah. you know, which mm -hmm. I think is so, so, so fucking powerful. powerful. Yeah. You know, instead of the people that are saying, I've not got a choice, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah, that's it. And he's been banging on about, and he, he's very down at the moment and he knows that alcohol is going to make him more down. He knows the importance of this interview. And he, I was like, okay, so if you want to go, right, let's set a drink limit. <laughs> let's set a drink limit. No, nah, mate, I don't have a choice. It's not that kind of thing. It's a pub crawl. Don't have that, don't have that choice. One, I just, I left one, it. One drink at one pub, oh. water at the next. Oh. One drink at the one, next one, water at the next. I nearly blew my fucking fuse. Yeah. I nearly blew my fucking fuse. Especially see when they're asking you for help as well. Mm -hmm. Like is it, I think it's, it's different in a kind of coaching relationship. I don't think a lot of the time in friendship circles, they respect the coaching aspect. They just want some guidance. They kind of just want to take from you what they need. Mm -hmm. So they don't respect your advice or your help enough as someone who's actually invested in it yeah you know yeah and sometimes it can be a little bit too close to home and i don't really get pissed off at clients but i'll get pissed yes, off at yeah, yeah 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 you'll, you'll be yes, the same you'll be the same you know 100%. so that's why i've not replied to him is because i just knew i was gonna approach that quite pro not in the right way for him yeah. and i knew that i would have to approach that with a bit more compassion than i was going to approach it because yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. my friend for a long time so he's going to go to Leeds at the weekend. He's going to get absolutely blooded. He's going to get a packet and he's going to fuck his interview up on Monday. Mm. <laughs> because he, inverted commas, doesn't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Like, didn't, see if it was my, see if I had a life-changing job interview or, or an opportunity the day after my 30th birthday. I wouldn't have drinking my 30th birthday. Yeah. Nah. See if I had a life-altering decision to make Boxing Day, I wouldn't have drinking Christmas or yeah. New Year's Day. Like that is, that is the choice you need to make for the person you want to be. And that's always what you want to be thinking about. Yeah. You just want to be thinking about the type of person that I want to be in the life that I want to be living. What choice would that type of person make for themselves? And you always have to dial into that. And as hard as it can be at the time, and as much as you might not be able to see the vision in front of you, like you might not be able to see where that's going to get you. You just have to trust that that compounds over time. Because I, I firmly believe the more that you put your energy into something, the more opportunity that comes from that, like the great opportunities that come from it. And I don't fucking like the law of attraction. I don't believe in manifesting change and it's fucking all human behavior uh, it's all human behavior theory exactly <laughs> but i do believe the more that you showcase and portray yourself onto the world as the type of person that you respect that other people will respect people notice it people see it and as a result people connect with you more you get more opportunities 100%. people feel your vibe people see your strength people see the way in which you look after yourself the way in which you help other people the type of person of use that you are the type of person of service that you are and as a result of that you create a better life for yourself. It's like many coaching programs out there now, like ugh, Jen, me and you have been talking about this. Some fucking coaching programs are talking about working only with business owners because they will help you 10 times your business. That's not what personal trainers and coaches in the fitness industry are going to do with you. What they're going to do is if they can improve your behaviors, if they can improve your performance, it's going to improve your productivity at work, your energy at work is going to improve things that will allow you to go out and use the skills that you're good at and your, and your job and your business and build it to a higher higher place higher higher point than it already is yeah. so stop fucking claiming that you can do something you can't yeah, <laughs> you know just to, that was me digressing you see what i mean well you're talking then what's been your biggest challenges or fears that you've overcome this year challenges or fears i think a big one and there's a there's there's quite a logical theory behind it is a uh, definitely moving to dubai and 
I did see some kickback from that initially when I went, like some judgment, some, some judgment and some really poor kickback from people I didn't think I was going to see kickback from. Um, and it's funny because the people I I seen kickback from some were some were existing clients at the time, some were friends, some were family. The kickback that I seen was strange because I would usually see these people engage with other let's say high status kind of celebrity types that love their life, that travel, that mm. stayed wherever the fuck they want and they idolise them. But a guy from a fucking small town that wants to grow up and travel and live where he wants and do what he wants and create a life for himself, that wasn't okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that that's kind of, that, that got to me and that fucking challenged me massively because it kind of pissed me off. We had people leave, remember, when because you moved to Dubai, yeah. which I think yeah, fucking which mental. Was, we were all, it's always, an online coaching programme. Online coaching programme, plus I've not missed an event since I moved. <laughs> like, I've, I've been back for every single event. I like I could have said, we're not running quarterly events anymore. Yeah. But I stuck to my word and I come back because I don't half arse what I say I'm going to yeah. do. And and you moving over there, that's my reality. Like, I am choosing to move here, so the consequence is you're going to have to fly home every three yeah. months, but I want to as well. Still did home not... office at half seven every night, even though it's half ten or half eleven, depending on the time of exactly. your time. You fly home? What? I thought you swam. A <laughs> 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 triathlon <laughs> um, I And as you said, like, I fucking stay up to midnight delivering to the guys because I know that it's the consequence of what I've decided to do. Like, it's... Like, I made the move because I wanted to have a better life for myself. And I think when people see you, a lot of the time, they, they think that they would like to be able to live the the life that they idealise with people on social media that they don't already know. But when it's real life, I feel like a lot of the time people actually have their eyes open to what their life potentially could have looked mm. like if they'd actually followed the path or even taken the guidance that they're yeah. already being shown. Because I also want, like a lot of our clients that we work with, they are high-performing people. A lot of them do have their own businesses. They're high up in their careers. They've got a really strong function and family that supports them. A lot of people do love travel. They love going on holidays. And for me, I want people to see that exercise, the fitness, that working in yourself, that putting yourself out there, that staying true to your values and staying true to your word can allow you to develop whatever life you want to. Yeah. But for some reason, especially in the past year, I feel like a lot of people have not liked to see that. Which is and mad it's, because it's what you want. Like I know. personally, it's not for me, but I'm delighted for you and Joanne that you yeah. are now living the life that you want to live. And I, I just I can't get my head round like anybody going after the thing that they want. If they wanted to move to fucking Timbuktu and that was their dream, I'd be like, more power to you. Go on you. Yeah. I just don't get it. Like I know. Like I've I've even thought like <laughs> if the tables were turned, like if I thought someone should be absolutely shredded in great shape, shouldn't be moaning about fucking prepping their food and all that, I wouldn't turn around to them and be like, you're fucking at my programme because you're not doing that. Aye, like, I can date so you can date aye, too. Aye, 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 that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, that's not the type of approach I would take with anyone and I, it really did open my eyes and it did challenge me and it, it, it hurt me probably to a degree as well, but yeah. at that stage, I was just like, well, I'm just going to find people in my life that do respect my decisions yeah. simple as that because i always believe that there's no point wasting energy on people that don't want to be in your life you're actually better putting the energy into going out and finding the people that do want to be there yeah. so i think that's probably one of them uh, that was difficult um the second one would probably be what we're doing now we're built to coach like mm. it's, it's obviously it's not as scary for me i don't think as it would be for you. <laughs> because obviously you're, you're just a year into to business, mm. really. And I've been running my own business, been self-employed for a decade. So 
for me, this didn't really feel like a daunting decision. It obviously required a lot of money with your energy, a lot of investment, sorry, from your money, your energy, your time. Um, but I knew that we had a gap in the marketplace, but there's always going to be a fear there of as much as we think this is good, are other people going to think it's good? Mm. And are other people, when they think it's good, going to be able to help other people see how good it is? Like, yeah. are they going to be able to, to extend that that invitation to people to come along to see what we can see and what they can see to be yeah. true, which is that we know there is a gap in the market for this type of service to deliver ex like coaching excellence um, for people to be able to have better experiences inside of the fitness industry with coaches who are highly qualified in coaching. Yeah, how do we get them to see it as a need to have and not a nice to have? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I want to have mm. more than anything else because... Uh, the, the fitness industry's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The fitness industry's fucked, man. Just a reminder that this podcast is sponsored by Built to Coach. And if you're interested in learning more about exactly how you can apply this process, you'll want to check out the show notes where you'll find the link to work with us closely in January on exactly this issue. And um, it's fucked because coaches are just so focused on making a shit ton of money. That's all it is. So many shit coaches out there are making a shit ton of money and actually the great coaches are not making as much money as they should mm -hmm. because some coaches are great at selling and not coaching and some coaches that want to be great at selling would rather be great coaches first than sell something that they know they can't quite deliver to. And I think we've always, especially inside Built for Life as well, inside Built for Life, inside of your own coaching, um, like private coaching, and inside of Built to Coach, we seem to continuously be bringing a type of person towards us. Mm. And it's not the egotistical people. Mm. It's like me and you were talking about the kind of clients that we bring into Built for Life, like mm -hmm. very emotional, intelligent, realize it goes way deeper than just the training plan, nutrition plan. They know they need to engage in things that maybe they're, they're, they're not 100% sure of, but don't mind trying because they, they see the, the potential benefit in it and don't get complacent once they've hit their yeah. original goal yeah mm. and don't get complacent when they hit their original goal and you'll see that with the people you work with like people don't pay you to come along and be egotistical as fuck no because i should rip them to shreds uh, if they try uh, if they do <laughs> and the same way we built to coach the people that we've had come on board already and even show interest already are the people that have the their moral compass in the right place yeah like have the right values but at the same time, those types of people, because we are those types of people, we understand their fear yeah. of, is this the right thing to invest in? Like they doubt themselves. And a lot of the time they, they doubt themselves because whatever they've invested in before maybe hasn't gotten them the result. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of our clients sometimes when they're coming to us question whether or not it's the right decision to make. But when they take that leap, yeah. they achieve such great things. So I think a fear is obviously dropping a, a lot of money on th things that we need to build this coaching process that you don't know is 100% going to be successful until you start to see that it's becoming successful. Mm. You just have to trust your instinct and you have to trust your intuition. And that's what we're going off right now. Yeah. Obviously, we've had people sign up, but that's not the, at this stage, it's not at the level of success that we want it to be, mm. you know? And I think that, I think that allows people that, invest in us to relate to us a little bit more as well yeah. like we know what panning over large sums of money sometimes 100%. can 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 feel like it can be fucking daunting but it gets easy, easier with every investment too because yeah. i've made some really big investments into myself and my time and it's probably been maybe about three years since i've made this much of a significant mm. investment into something and this is probably the biggest one it's yeah. ever been yeah. but it's 
probably going to be the most worthwhile because when I look back at the last investment that I made, every investment I made into myself has got greater and greater and greater. Every single one has been bigger than the last. And if I get back from what the last one gave me to the same proportion with the investment that I made into this one, it's going to be a success. And that's the way I'm looking at it because yeah. I'm like, well, that's the evidence you've got so far. You go off what you've got and you don't yeah, make an right. assumption. But that's how I overcome fear and that's how you should overcome fear anyway. Yeah, you use the evidence. Yeah. It's actually mad that you don't like attribute one of your biggest challenges of this year to the fact that you were like fucking severely ill and had to get surgery. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I actually kind of forgot about that. What an awful doctor. Aye, that was. I mean, that was tough. It was probably tough because I couldn't perform at the level I wanted to, and I think everyone feels that. But what I did not do categorically was throw in the towel and do fuck all. Mm. Like I know how tough it can be to have to take a step back, but I was still running. I was still training. I might not have felt that good. Uh, my recovery might have been poor. I might not have been able to shift the same amount of weight or run it as fast or for as long. But I just showed up every day and got shit done because I needed to because I'm a fucking adult and I've got responsibilities and it doesn't matter if I'm sick or not. Like I still need to fucking show up. And too many people these days are so fucking soft that they don't take pride in what they do. So every single time they can take a way out, they do. Like I said in the last podcast that's coming out in the future <laughs> <laughs> but like i take pride in what i do and i have a responsibility and if every single time something that something that's difficult comes along knocks me off my path of the trajectory that I, i'm ultimately working towards then will i ever get to where i want to be if i don't know how to suffer through it mm. probably not and more people need to have that ethos and more people need to have that outlook and i actually said this to the kids the other day at um at Uddingston Grammar because see that oh I love this I love this the girls fucking tank the guys they tank the guys they always and, do and no like the, the girls come up to me at the end and they were like thanks so much for for your talk like for bigging us up in front of the boys because I'll tell you what I said in a minute yes. <laughs> um because we feel like they always pick on us like in class and so on and so forth but they fucking bossed them and I mean they bossed them the, the boys were moaning and cutting corners and just showing weakness and I basically just told them that in this generation, there's a lot of weak men up and coming. And don't get me wrong, like that's not that's not disregarding mental health or well-being. They 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 were they were moaning about the fact that they had to do some simple exercise, finding it difficult, saying they didn't want to push themselves any harder, saying they couldn't be asked. That is weakness in my eyes. I like see it see at that age. I remember at that age, I was pretty much fighting for my life amongst bullies that I didn't know what corner they were around. My windows were getting panned in. I'd went to the gym to lose the rest of my puppy. If I used to sprint on the treadmill for like fucking 40 minutes, just one minute sprint, one minute rest, one minute sprint, one minute rest, one minute sprint, one minute rest, lift weights, swim. Like I used to do everything at that point because I wanted to feel indestructible. You know what I mean? Because I I was so far from indestructible. Mm. So I was like trying to go the total opposite way. So when I seen that and these, these young guys, I... I was fucking a bit angry. It's a bit angry that the fact that they weren't able to perform or they weren't taking it seriously because I know that that is a habit that they will continue to take with them throughout life. They'll become a victim of life. They'll feel as if things are tough and done to them, not done for them. And they'll feel as though, they'll feel as though life should, should owe them something. What was this demographic? Age range? Yeah. A 15, 16, 17, 16, 17, 16, 17. I so I, they were turning like, 17 and like, 18 like, to 16, 17. I'd have had a note for that if I was in school. 
like kind of age peak testosterone where you kind of I, should be fucking I actually, I actually, I actually <laughs> said that to the boys as well I've done you will never have this advantage yeah. again in your life yeah. from your hormonal state mm -hmm. you should be taking advantage of this I wish so, I was your age again see if I was your age again no man no never I'd be a fucking animal <laughs> I'd be running sub 15 minute 5k's you know <laughs> what I mean that's the way I look at it so like but to see the girls like I, I love the fact that there's strong women in this world now like showing men up and putting men in their place because Me men too. I know, I know, but the thing is, like, with a lot of men, I do believe that men should be portraying a higher level of strength. So see if it takes women to put men in their place for guys to become men again a little bit. Like, and I mean a man is in, not that they're the stronger species, that they should be... Species. Species. <laughs> fucking hell, gender. Gender. Species. The male species. <laughs> gender, gender, sorry. No, I'm, I'm saying it in the sense of, like, I think a man should be a symbol of strength for himself and for his family. Like that that's that's what I mean. I think like, biologically there is different gender roles. Oh, oh no, of course there is. And in society there is, but I, I believe that they, they shouldn't just be tied to that. Like I believe women should be able to be the providers, for example. I believe that women should be able to outperform men in particular sports, like a lot of them are doing now. Like I, I I'm so happy for crossover, but I think as a man, to feel like a man, you know what I mean? To feel like a man that's of of use and of service, you want to be able to portray strength in your decisions your ability to protect and provide and i think for a you're actually aren't you after you after me <laughs> i think for a lot of men they're just taking the easy route out these days and they're, and they're not taking advantage of what they have you do, know do you think that society allows boys to be men and want to be men do you feel like it provides the grounds for Ben to feel comfortable being a manly man? Or do you feel like mm -hmm. maybe, because it's kind of on social media, it's too, it's, it's swung two ways, hasn't it? You get, you've, you've got, you've got the like the rise of the likes of the cunts of, what's his name? Andrew Tate, who's like a, a, a misogynistic arsehole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you've got some boys who are, are, are conforming to that definition of a man. Yeah. Which isn't correct, no. in my opinion. And then... You've got kind of what you've got there, the other side of things, which is boys just not competing in exercise and yep. and competition. And competition is a huge thing. Competition and it, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's needed to push people forwards. And if people aren't engaging competition and exercise and sport is a huge way for you to engage in competition. Yeah. And they don't have that outlet to feel that, I don't know, feel powerful or feel feel yeah. empowered no i get i get what you're saying mate I, I think maybe not society i think men don't have a lot of great role models like because mm -hmm. th the thing is even if you you look at potentially like if you, you'd look at people in the general public and ask how many of them maybe look up to their dad their dad might not be a great role model either like i think men do need better role models and people that they look up to and there might not be many of them in this day and age but i think as a good role model for young men you should be able to show them how to be respectful how to how to be competitive but in a respectful respectful way how to show sportsmanship how to be strong like strong not only just physically but strong with your decision making strong with your boundaries strong to not having to follow the crowd strong enough to respect a woman and stand up for women that are not being treated correctly i think a lot of men need to be taught by a particular type of role model that has the emotional intelligence to show vulnerability when it's necessary 
and show strength when it's necessary because it's almost like performance it's like a sliding scale sometimes as much as you you feel vulnerability you need to be strong and sometimes we need to need to show strength the best way to show strength is with vulnerability and vulnerability is strength yeah and vulnerability is strength so it's like it's like the ways in which you handle it so i think there's not enough good enough role models out there for men to show them how you can have both a mix of the masculine and feminine traits that are needed to be a what I would believe would be a real man. <laughs> mm. To be honest, like I don't think real men is all masculinity. Mm-mm. I don't think real men is all femininity. I just think it, there's a there's a perfect mix somewhere in the middle that someone needs to needs to explore themselves to figure out. But is it that the, the pressure and expectation of what they should be does not allow them the freedom to find out what it is? Because like what you have to remember is that like we live in a fundamentally patriarchal society. So a patriarchal society will always thrive and be upheld in things and routines that are rooted in misogyny. Mm-hmm. So when you look at this, like not to go all sociology degree on you, but when you look but at going this, all sociology degree no, on this is interesting shit though. <laughs> when you look at it from a societal perspective, in a patriarchal society, men will always have the power and control to mm-hmm. do and behave as they wish. And the reason that women are now outperforming men in things is not because women have gotten better, but that the opportunity for us to show how much we can outperform men yep. has now been granted to us because although we still live in a patriarchal society, women are afforded more opportunities than they were previously. However, we do still live in a society that's very much funded, uh, founded on and driven by the needs of men. Mm. So that's where the challenge comes in, is that as a man, as two men, you both have far more rights and freedom and ability to decide the kind of person that you want to be without the pressure and expectation. But isn't it interesting that so many men feel those pressures and expectations, right, on how they should behave, on how they should perform, like... Suicide rates in men are astronomically high because they don't feel they can talk about like the th- like their mental health and how they're feeling. And I think it's interesting when you look at that juxtaposition of by all intents and purposes, you do have complete complete freedom and control to decide how you behave like structurally in society, but how many men feel like they have to uphold this standard of how they should be, where's the freedom to just decide who you want to be? I'd love to touch on that recently for me um obviously i've not got a dad anymore and then when he literally when he was on his deathbed he said to me he's like look after my girls look, look after our girls so i have i, I shouldn't I, I know i shouldn't feel this pressure on my shoulders I, I know it's irrational but i do feel a pressure on my shoulders to uphold the family and the past few weeks it's been splintered like it's been split as it's as is natural it's to be expected right there's it's, it's christmas time cups their cups are full my cup isn't fully full and I do feel that pressure of upholding that family and, and, and keeping us together falling on my shoulders. And that has led to me not speaking to my mom, not speaking to the girls. And I think when people say like with mental health, you've got to talk and speak to people. I don't think, and, and, and people being embarrassed to speak up. I, for me personally, it wasn't embarrassment of speaking out about my mental health. It was not knowing how and not knowing how to approach it. And I didn't talk to my mom because I felt like I was going to be I didn't feel like I was going to be listened to. And I felt like she was going to see me as like, you're the guy. I didn't feel like how I was feeling she would be held as valid mm. in her eyes mm. um, because of the role that I felt I should assume. Not the role that she felt, yeah. because of the role that I felt yeah. I should assume. And then recently I've ch- I called her, chatted to her, 
told her exactly as I felt. I was shitting myself because I thought I was going to get absolutely slated. Do you think that happened? No. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And I'm so much more supported. She fully understands where I came from. Like I've, and I've came to understand like I, because I was putting that pressure on myself to do that, I was doing a bit more damage than I was doing good yeah. in the family. So even just that, that conversation of me approaching her in that way has just opened up that conversation and understanding of each other and understanding of myself as well in relation to how I've been feeling. And the fact it's, it's removed a huge pressure off my shoulders that I, they don't need, they don't fucking need yeah. me. They're strong yeah. fucking women. You know what I mean? They don't need me. Why do I feel that pressure? to to uphold them and it's it's that's that is societal yeah. standards yeah. It's, fu it's funny you say that actually because like even growing up like i always felt like i had to be a pure hard man because my dad was a pure hard man yeah like but then when i had the freedom and the autonomy to choose i i built enough strength within myself through finding ways to feel strong to make my own decisions mm -hmm. i think that was the way that i was trying to say it is that i think men should have good role models to show them how to be strong to make the decisions that they want yeah, for themselves have i'd have that autonomy between the kind of masculine and feminine like how they they move through these mixes of emotions to find out what works best for them not mm -hmm. just like you should be a sheer symbol of strength and a sheer symbol of courage and look at everything logistically and just get your head down and work hard more of like a a holistic approach across the board because mm. when you have that freedom autonomy to find what you want but you have strength in that and you have the courage in that and you feel as if you know what this is the thing for me yeah. then it fills you with so much more so much more probably trust and integrity in yourself because i know when i no longer started to look up to feeling like i had to fulfill my dad's shoes mm -hmm. or or act in situations in a way that he told me to like one of those guys like if someone's you never start a fight but you fucking finish it and i was like i'll not be fucking finishing any fight either you know what i mean i'll not be finishing any fight only fight i've finished i've been on the floor I, I, honestly so it, it was all things like that and like he would give me more hassle coming home if i said i hadn't finished the fight you know what i mean like that mm -hmm. sort of thing so always felt i bet back harder i so it was there. like i always did want to be strong but i was too fearful to be strong in that way so i went yeah. out and found my own way to be strong yeah and that was actually by not reacting to people, mm -hmm. funnily enough. So, like, I think when there's more role models like that that hold space for autonomy yep. and hold space for, like, vulnerability and exploration, that's what young men need. Yeah. Like, that sort of direction. But those types of figures are strong figures because they've been through it themselves. You know, Gen Genuine confidence is quiet, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Before we finish, we need to talk about Jen's <laughs> this year. Because <laughs> I, I realised we just went off on a fucking pure tangent, <laughs> by the way. I'm just going to finish the next six minutes with a feminist rant. Um, no, sorry, I'll do that when we go for dinner. <laughs> um, Jen can pay for her own dinner. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm off. I'm off for the feminism rant. No, to be fair, I've bullied you into being more. No, I'm, 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 I'm a full-on feminist man. Great, I just bully all the men in my life. You're next. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Um, this is actually a fucking clash here for me to be perfectly honest with you it's probably been one of the best fucking, they, they fucking bother yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely been struggles but I feel like in comparison to like trigger warning like being suicidal at some point every year of my yeah. life like I do still get you do still get those random like thoughts sometimes but they don't feel like they don't feel like the main like the main narrative in my, my mind anymore you know what I mean and I think like this is the first year so far, <laughs> fingers crossed, somebody touch wood. I'm, I'm touching wood for you. <laughs> that I've not had to go into like the specialist care of a psychiatrist, take time off work. Like 
be heavily medicated and sedated. I'm like, not paying you for another December if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, payment cut if you need to get second. Um, so that's good. Um, and I've been off my medication since February, which, like I said in the last podcast, that will be the next podcast, um, that's been the longest time since I was 15 that I've not been on antidepressant or antipsychotic medication. Um, I have almost, almost lost three and a half stone. Um, thank you, thank you. Like when um, you park the car. <laughs> <laughs> um, so even when I think about like the gen that sat in this podcast studio in January, like I don't know, I didn't feel like I didn't feel bad. I just felt a bit disappointed in myself when we done the first podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not because I was fucking great in the podcast. I'm funny as fuck, but like <laughs> I mean, just like in a general sense, like I just felt quite disappointed in the position that I'd find myself in because I think the hardest thing that I had to navigate, probably last year and this year, was feeling like a feeling like a hypocrite. It's really hard to work in the health and fitness industry as someone who champions the importance of behaviour change when you are obese. Can, like I say, can I say something here though? We did have a conversation at the start of this year where you said you were going to step up mm -hmm. and you fucking stepped and up. I fucking stepped it up. And you, no, like I remember, I think it was before Christmas actually, and we were talking and we were like, right, this year we are turning these clients into fucking animals. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and I was like... I need more for you then yeah. and you were like I need more for myself and then she was like I'm going to be a savage I was like I'm going to be a savage we'll be savages together and we committed to her and look and look she's run another half marathon signed up for high rocks literally your training has been the most consistent it's been in years yeah it actually has and I feel like but it's literally all just because I set a different intention for myself this year than I've ever set like I didn't like I did intend to lose weight but it's not the it wasn't the main event in my life because Last year, I, I realised actually that for such a long time, I placed so much worth and value on my weight that I thought other people did. Yeah. So, like, I just assumed that, like, people won't take you seriously or be interested in anything that you've got to say when you're overweight. And I was at my biggest, but also my most successful in my business. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like... It There's just so totally a lot of people we work with, though. Uh -huh. Like, people will come to us and they've got incredible businesses, but they're overweight and they're out of shape and... They, they're probably the unhappiest they've ever been. Yeah. But that's actually such a, a gratifying position to be in. Yeah. Because now that you've got that success and you no longer maybe have to worry about it to the same level, you can start to slowly but surely take time back for yourself. But that, that was my intention yeah. for this year. Like, I remember us speaking about it and, like, last year the focus was all on launching and establishing my business. Me and Paul bought a house. Like, we wanted to go on holidays and have fun and experience life because it felt like for such a long time, like with COVID and fucking 15,000 cancelled weddings and moving house and all those, it was just constant. There was always something going on. Mm -hmm. So, and also like I obviously live with PTSD. So last year I went through really intensive, last year and this year, really, really intensive trauma-focused therapy focused on just helped me feel safe because I felt so unsafe for such a long time. So I feel like all of this work, like where I am now has been probably a good like 18 months of really solid, consistent work. And it's happened in different, it's happened in gradual phases. But like, I think running a business and launching yourself into self-employment after a, like years of being employed is a huge transition in itself but it's honestly helped me so much with just being generally more of a confident person because 
people have been interested in working with me and interested in what I had to say regardless of how I looked and what I say is so valued like mm -hmm. I get that real-time feedback like when you work in the NHS like you're trying to enact small pockets of change because system-wide change isn't possible and the vast majority of time I would spend like sleepless nights countless extensive hours working on these huge projects for literally no one even notice or care <laughs> by the end so now it just make like small bits of change on small scales but for people to be so grateful and for it to have such an impact feels like such a privilege and I remember like at the start of this year like January was mad like I was doing like two events a week but it was great and although it was really really busy and challenging it felt like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be mm -hmm. like this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing and the only person that cares the only person in this room that cares about the size that you are is you like the only person that is judging you for the size that you are is you. And I think I really had to get to a point where I had to work on accepting my body as it was before I could change how I wanted it to be. So I had to accept myself at the size that I was and understand that that was just a product of the environment that I'd, that I'd been in, the experiences that I'd been through, and it was a physical manifestation of the trauma that I'd carried in my body for such a long time. And even when I lost all that weight, like in 2021, I held that version of me up on a pedestal for such a long time. Like this makes you quite upset when I think about it, but like I used to watch my wedding video back and like cry watching it because I wasn't that person anymore and like that's such a fucking sad thing to think about because I'm like look at the person that was waiting on you to become mm. and you were romanticizing this version of you simply because I'd lost weight like there wasn't any I was still fucking traumatized I was still riddled with imposter syndrome and the NHS fucking hating your life I was still in the NHS hating my life I was still fucking mental right <laughs> the, I only, remember. the only reason I felt good was because I was in a smaller body and I think that's so fucking sad that I spent all those years of my life doing that, that, like, I would take who I am now over her. Any day, fucking hi. any day. Like, who I am now, I fucking, like, I hate myself for it, but I'm one of those cunts that loves the gym and running, and I used to hate, <laughs> hate people at this. I used to think they were all fucking liars, and I used to think they were so disingenuous and superficial, and now I am very happily one of those cunts, and, like, I feel like I'm a fucking savage with my training. I am so relentless with it. I enjoy it. It makes me feel like I could kick fuck out of anybody. Like somebody said to me, like, why do you train? <laughs> kick fuck out of anybody. Why do you train? And I was like, yet. honestly, I train so that I can kick fuck out of men that get in my road. <laughs> and I run so that I can run really fast away if anybody is ever going to try and harm me. And I know that sounds fucking nuts, but that is genuinely it. Like if I'm running and I run past a man, I go through the game plan in my head. I think most women who run will do this because it's just your safety mechanism you need to. And I'm like, right, if he turns back, I'm going to fucking, I've got a wee thing and I keep my running vest that's like, um, it's like a wee cat, but it's got like pointy ears. So my first thing is, again, my running vest, I'll fucking stab him <laughs> in the eyes. And then I'll fuck, I'll phone Paul, I'll phone nine and then I'll phone Paul and then I'll run like fuck. But like, I just love having the ability in my mind and my body to be able to do that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It makes me feel strong. It makes me feel capable. And I think just taking this whole year to set the intention, and that was my intention, was 2022 was very much focused on the business and making that a success. And the intention for this year had to be making me a success along with that. Yep. So I did take back time. And don't get me wrong, it's been fucking busy. Like, I'm saying that as if I didn't 
like work and take on a job as a mentor and then set up another business. Yeah, like business yeah. is still being pretty busy, but I've intentionally made the time available physically and psychologically to work on myself. And I have said no to pieces of work that are going to impact me physically and mentally. And I think just giving myself an opportunity to actually heal my relationship with food and actually create a structure and routine that works for me, not not restricting and under-eating constantly, not binging and overeating constantly, but actually taking the time to really go through the process of change and not beat myself up when I get it wrong. Yeah. Like just accepting that even normal people without eating disorders overeat sometimes and that's okay, right? Fucking overeat sometimes. And normal you overeat people- overeat sometimes. All the time. Yeah. Normal <laughs> people without eating disorders undereat sometimes. Yeah. Like, and just really trying to normalize a lot of the behaviors after, or these behaviors after a life of only living in extremes. It, this year has been about like, just trying to get myself on an even equal Aye, and level. Even keel, like and a new slate kind of thing. And just really look after myself. I didn't respect myself. I've never mm. respected myself in my whole life, I think, until this year. Um and I was in when I was in a therapy session, like my therapist said to me as well, she was like, You speak now like someone who actually respects themselves. She was like, you never used to speak it like about yourself as somebody who has self-respect. But now you make decisions and you you speak and reflect as someone who actually respects the person that they are and I'm like that's mad because I have hated myself genuinely my entire life so to now be in a position in my life where I wouldn't say I love myself but I respect myself enough to make the right decisions like that's been a huge huge challenge to overcome and it's been riddled with fear like I, I, I still feel fear I just don't live in it like yeah. I used to live in it and I that used to be my home and where I belonged and I feel like now Fear somewhere I visit every now and again, but after a couple of hours, I'm like, right, I'm ready to get up the road. Aye, aye, it's like that fucking alky uncle man. Uh, you're like, <laughs> like your grand's like, we need to go visit. By the way, you're like, I don't have to. No, I don't have to stink it <laughs> in there. <laughs> but we don't have applause for that. I think I think oh, that was fucking uh, powerful. I, know, I think that was class. <laughs> that was powerful. class. Um, and the thing is, I think that the probably most human thing that's came for this entire thing that Jen's went through is she actually cries more than she ever has. In the past, I know I was really trying not to cry. She, she, did, she did actually nearly Jen, cry. So was I. She, <laughs> <laughs> I she keeps her shit together to be fair. Like when I start crying, I start crying. <laughs> but um, we'll we round off there because we're yeah, going to go and get some Turkish. Oh, meat. I can't wait to get a fucking lamb chop. In oh, aye, we're going to go for some food before our team day tomorrow. Yum. So, guys. Just want to say a huge thank you for the openness and the honesty. That was a good conversation. I, I know like we digressed a bit, but we will um, be back next week with the podcast that we've already recorded and mentioned multiple times on this <laughs> podcast. I can't re- I'm actually, I fucked myself now. I don't even know what I'm talking about. We've hyped it up big time, this podcast. Yeah, I know. It will be good. Tune in, we promise. But uh, guys, over and out. Bye. See you, team. See ya.